to be wise or not to be wise? That is the question. Today's topic is wisdom. Is it worth pursuing and is it everything we thought it would be? Life is not meaningless, folks, and the things we learn today might just matter. Let's take a look at Ecclesiastes to find out why. Today's text is Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. It reads, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind, for in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. What an interesting little passage on the topic of wisdom. One that is probably very different than most of us have heard before. Because most of what we've heard about wisdom is that it is something to pursue daily. Something that we should long to grow in because it's going to increase our years and bring blessing to our life. But our friend the preacher here, he shows us a very different side to wisdom that there is something about wisdom that doesn't make it worth pursuing something that he even says will cause us sorrow and grief but why does the preacher feel this way well let's take a little bit of a closer look and find out our preacher friend he starts off by explaining that he had applied his heart to understand the world through wisdom Verse 13 says, And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. That word heart there, I think it's important to know that the original Hebrew word doesn't just mean heart. It means will, mind, emotion. Basically what that's saying is that the preacher had applied everything that he was to understand through wisdom what the world was, how it operated, how it looked like every day. So he was studying books, studying philosophy, studying anything that he could to understand the world. And what he saw was what we talked about last week, that the world was subjected to futility. And it says at the end of verse 13, it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man. See, this is a reference back again to Genesis 3, that the world is fallen. The world is is broken. That's the reality of our situation. And our preacher, as he's he's trying to use his wisdom to understand the world, he comes to the conclusion that this is vanity. And ultimately, he makes the statement in verse 15 that what is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. Now, what does this verse mean? Well, I think there are kind of two two levels of things he's trying to say. The first of which is that 
this world is crooked. This world is lacking. This world is subjected to futility. It's fallen and is in need of repair. But ultimately what he's saying is that no amount of wisdom can correct the situation. No amount of knowledge or understanding can make straight what is crooked. You see, what he means by that is that there will always be things that you are constantly trying to learn. No matter how much you study, no matter how much you read the books, you look for information, you'll never fully have all of the answers. And there's another aspect of what he's saying in that this world will always create new problems. We're always going to have things that are crooked. We can't fix everything. A good example from this is what we're going through right now in the, pan in the pandemic. A year ago, if you had told somebody that there would be a global pandemic, they probably would have laughed at you. Because this is a new problem that the world created because of our acts. So we have this new problem that we can't seem to find a solution to. And that's kind of the state of the world. That's our condition. We, we are constantly trying to strive after wisdom to solve our problems, but we can't ever learn enough. And new problems keep being created. There's another third sense to this that I think is also important. See, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, the preacher will go on to say that consider the work of God. What can make straight what he has made crooked? See, basically what he's saying is that there are things in life that God has purposely made crooked. God has purposely hidden things from us. There are shields over our eyes so that we cannot see things that God has made hidden. He doesn't want us to understand certain things in this fallen world. A good example of that is there are things about God that we cannot understand because we can't see God. We don't know fully who he is. Thankfully for the Christian, there will come a day when we will see God. But we'll come back to that in just a second. Our preacher, he goes on to say through verses 16 and 18 that there's something else about wisdom that isn't just lacking. It isn't just not able to solve our problems. But there's something about wisdom that will cause you grief. It's going to cause you sorrow. And uh, he starts off in verse 17 by saying, And I applied my heart to know wisdom, to know madness and folly, I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. That word vexation there. It's another word for grief. For he, for in much wisdom is much grief, much vexation, much heartache. But why does the preacher feel this way? If you're anything like me, this might have puzzled you a little bit at first. Because how, how can wisdom cause sorrow? How can it bring you heartache? Wisdom is supposed to bless you. Well, I think we could say that for one, just like we said before, it can cause you heartache because it you're going to find it can't solve your problems. That is definitely a reality that when, when you find that it's not what you thought it was going to be, it might break your heart a little bit. But there's another sense that I think is much deeper 
that I think the preacher is trying to get through to us. You see, the more you learn about wisdom, the more you seek out the way God intended us to live, how life is supposed to operate, how men are supposed to act, the more you see that we're not really like that. We are not naturally wise. The more you gain wisdom, the more you see that you aren't wise. And you're left realizing that the road you've been going on is as far away as possible from where you're supposed to be. The best way I can think to explain this is to think of a woman, a young woman who has lived her entire life never seeing her reflection. But she believed with all her heart that she was beautiful. Now, on her 21st birthday, a friend gave her a mirror as a present. And for the first time, she looked in that mirror and she expected to see a beautiful face. But what she noticed was wrinkles, warts, cracks in her skin. And can you imagine how heartbreaking that must have been? To understand that what she had believed her whole life was that she was beautiful, but it wasn't true at all. That in fact, she was disgusting. That is what wisdom is. Wisdom is a mirror that shows us who we truly are, that we aren't what we're supposed to be. And that is what causes us grief. That is what causes us sorrow. Now, interestingly enough, there is a passage in the Bible that kind of portrays this picture a little bit. This last Sunday, actually, at church, my pastor was preaching on this story uh, in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, we find the story of the adulterous woman who is brought to Jesus. Now, to remind you of how this story works, uh, there's this woman, and she is caught in the act of adultery. And the Pharisees grab her, and they pull her to Jesus. And they throw her at Jesus, and they say, This woman was caught in adultery. According to the law of Moses, she deserves to be stoned. What do you think we should do? Now, if you remember Jesus, he, he bends down on the sand. He starts writing. We're not sure what he writes. Um, but in verse 7, it tells us how he responds. John 8, 7 reads, And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you, be the first to throw a stone at her. Now see what happens next. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. How interesting is that, that John purposely writes that the older people left first. When the crowd was addressed with the question of who has sinned, it was the oldest people, the wisest people who had gained their wisdom through age and time on this earth that understood first that they were sinful. Wisdom is a mirror that shows us how sinful we are. And the more wisdom you gain, the quicker you are to understand that you are not what you're supposed to be, that you are lacking. The question for the believer then becomes, if wisdom is going to cause me grief, if wisdom is going to cause me sorrow, if wisdom is not what I thought it was going to be, if it isn't going to solve all the questions that I have, 
Is it worth pursuing? My answer to that is yes and no. You see, there's a wisdom that we are to pursue day and night, morning and evening, any possible chance we get. There's a wisdom the believer should seek. But there's also a wisdom that we should approach with much caution. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul writes this. He says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret, a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. You see, there is a wisdom from God, and there is a wisdom from the world. And it is the wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom, the wisdom that shows us who God is, who Jesus is, the wisdom taught by the Spirit who interprets spiritual truths to us. That is the wisdom that we seek day and night, because it is that wisdom, though it may cause us grief, though it may show us how lacking we are, it is that wisdom that has the power to change the lacking spirit. The spiritual truth, the spiritual wisdom shapes the heart, reforms the image. We may start out ugly and broken, but as the spiritual life progresses, we begin become more and more beautiful, the more and more wisdom that we gain from God. However, the wisdom of this world, it is folly with God, as it says in 1 Corinthians 3.19. See, the wisdom that tries and guarantees success to you, that tries to use medicine and science and knowledge to solve the problems of this world will always be fleeting. It will always be striving after the wind, it will always be vanity. So that is why we approach it with much caution. Though it may, in some ways, alleviate our problems, it will never solve them. It is only the wisdom that comes from God, the wisdom that is hidden, that the Holy Spirit must impart to us, that we must seek. And the one who is mature, the mature believer, will seek this wisdom day and night. I want to end with a quick quote from the Gospel Coalition. And this is a quote from uh, a woman named Hannah. And what Hannah writes is that uh, there is something about wisdom and knowledge that is worth pursuing. She reads, ultimately, the goal of all learning is to draw us back to humble dependence on the source of knowledge. God himself, true knowledge, knowledge that begins and ends with God, will humble us. Because when we finally begin to understand who God is, we'll begin to realize how much we don't understand in the first place. And yet, in his grace, God promises that even though we may only know in part today, there will be a day when we will know him as we have seen and have been with him fully. And when we know him this way, when we know the love of Christ, both mentally and experientially, we will finally be transformed to the image bearers 
he's destined us to be. There will come a time when we will reach the pinnacle of wisdom. When we meet Christ, when we meet God face to face, and we are before the source of all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding, that we will put away the flesh. We will put away the sinful nature, and we will become like Christ. We will know fully what is crooked will finally be shown to us. And that is why the believer pursues wisdom day after day after day, because we know one day we will reach it. One day we will understand. And every day is a day to be made more like the image bearers God destined us to be. So my question to you is how are you seeking wisdom? Are you on your knees in the night shift? On the night watches, are you praying that God would impart his spiritual truth to you, that he would show you his hidden wisdom? Are you reading his word? Are you seeking it day and night, trying to understand what God teaches? If not, then I challenge you to seek wisdom. Seek the wisdom of God, because it is not vanity. It is not fleeting. Life is not meaningless. And the things that you learn today will build you up into eternity. And there will come a time when all your wisdom, all your moments striving after it will come to completion. When you will be made fully wise, fully understanding in the presence of God.